Good evening, everybody. Say so good evening to your neighbor with a smile. With a smile. If you're not going to smile, don't greet. Just look straight. If you're going to greet them, smile. Okay. And <clears throat> how are you guys today? Good? Good. Awesome. Great. Okay. Today, as you probably are aware, we are um, sharing on Evan and L. Evan and L. It's, it's one um, aspect of the faith that can be very controversial. And, um, you know, many times, almost everybody has an opinion on heaven. And hell, like we saw the teaser on Sunday, if you missed that teaser, um, I don't know. Uh, everyone we spoke with had an opinion, and they were actually very persuaded. And God's opinion is what matters, really. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's what we, we are here about. And God wants us to be able to defend the faith. And that is where we got, get the word uh, apologetics from. Um, apologia. It means to defend to what you believe. So first you need to believe. You need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe. Then you need to be equipped to defend what you believe. And that's what um, the apologetic series is, is all about. So we'll dive straight into it. The opening question says, what do you think about heaven and hell? Has your views about heaven and hell changed at any time? Did you believe one way before, then you got some information? What, what was the information that made you change your mind? Or what, what was your view on heaven and hell um, in the first place? Who wants to go? This is the kind of question that, that you can actually ask anybody. Everybody has a view. <laughs> Maybe not everybody's view has changed at some point, but everybody has a view. So, what's your view on heaven? And when you hear heaven, yes, sir, what comes to mind? What, when you, when you um, hear the word hell, what comes to mind? Yes, sir. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, I used to uh, think about... I used to wonder what would happen to very good people that were not Christians. So I always felt somehow, I mean, they are good, should put them through. Um, until I learned about, you know, in NCR, I learned about uh, uh, judgment seats um, and the white throne judgment. And I found out that even though they are good, it's like a verification system. They are not... They've not even gotten to the part where they can even... Because they've not said yes to Christ. They're not in the database. (laughs) Because they've not even said yes to Christ. So that's even a problem. Assuming they've even done that, it would have been easier for them to then be judged. Um, So that makes me uh, think of evangelism differently. Absolutely. You know, so if I see good people, I'm like, you know, this person might just... Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Um, yes, there's a hand at the other corner. Good evening, everybody. 
Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Before I gave my life to Christ, I used to, I thought the price for heaven was too difficult to pay. Right. And so, but I knew I didn't want to go to hell. So I was always watching the skies that just <laughs> when that light is about to shine, I'll just shout, God, forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> and then I won't have to pay the price and I will not go to hell. Then, because I also heard about the 144 people and I thought, ah, I can't be in that number now. It's not possible. But working with God and getting to know him, I know that it's possible, you know, to stand for God and walk with God. Amen. Amen. Truly, the price is too high for anyone to pay. <laughs> it's impossible for anyone. Okay. Their hands there. Um, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good evening, church. Good evening. Uh, there was a time, there were, there were actually two times in my life when... Uh, I had diverse views about heaven and hell. Uh, the first time was I was born into a Catholic church and I didn't grow up there for long before my dad left. But the first, uh, the first time I heard about purgatory, uh, for those who are... Purgatory. Purgatory. We are going to talk about it today, don't uh, we? The first time I heard about that, I was like, well, it's, it's fair. So it's just like uh, in, in our days, if you don't make work and your neko is good... You, you can you still go to the, I said, well, <laughs> if heaven doesn't work, if purgatory is like the boys' quarter of heaven, I mean, as long as there's no fire, well, cool. So I, I, I used to have that mindset. It made me not become that very diehard Christian. I'd be like, okay, I, if my mom, when we were growing up, she forced us uh, to learn how to fast. So if she said everybody must break by 12, and then if the grace did not cover me till 12 and it was around 11, I'll be like, okay, well, I'm qualified for purgatory already. <laughs> the grace did not cover you. Yes. The grace of my <laughs> Growing up, I, 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 un- <laughs> Growing up, I understood that aspect. Uh, and then at another point in time in my life, it was when there were so many uh, testimonies here in Nigeria, you hear... Uh, brother this died and went to heaven for two days and came back and saw this sister this died six days went to heaven and i was like everybody's going to heaven and their views are like this so one struck me there was one woman uh, i was reading the book uh, i've forgotten the name of that book you had compilations of all the dead nigerians that went to heaven and came back to earth and then her testimony said she she had an issue with her husband before she died but before that accident like when the accident occurred in her sub should I say semi-conscious state of mind now, when she was almost going into coma, the last statement she was making was, okay, yes, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Now, the book said, after that point, when she appeared in heaven, that was what was still in her mouth. Like, Jesus, have mercy on me. And because of that one statement, the Bible says she was not qualified to make heaven, but that... uh, According to how? According to yes, your book. Yes, and that statement but, yes. is our qualified. Yes, that, that is statement is, now qualified. That's so, the only statement. Exactly. So yeah. every time I was going to leave my house to, right. to embark on a journey, so Jesus. I was going to see. <laughs> well, while you are saying, while that sounds like you are saying it out of fear, um, the truth is. What will disqualify her is not because she fought with her husband in the morning. It's a big lie that the church has taught over the years. That is not capable of stopping her from going to heaven. Totally incapable. 
if what we did did not guarantee our salvation, what we do cannot nullify our salvation. The only statement or the only thing that would determine if she entered was what? Jesus, have mercy on me. And if, he, if she has given her life to Jesus, she doesn't even need to be saying it every time because she has said it already. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So you don't need to be saying it every time you are going on, on, on the trip. You can say it one more time tonight and forget about it. <laughs> Not forget about it, but you know what I mean. Yes, take a final one. Then we, Good evening, sir. You have a mic already. Before, I used to think about Evan as a reward. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> I used to think about heaven as a reward because growing up, they would say, oh, if you do good, you go to heaven. If you do bad, you go to hell. Right. But growing up, I learned that heaven is actually my home. I've been right. joined here with Christ. Right. And his father is my father. God right. is our father. Right. And then the second view about that changed for me was about hell. They told me when I was growing up that if you do bad enough, that when you die and you get to um, the white throne room and God is about to judge you, he goes to your list and is like, ah, you've done too many bad in this world. And he throws you past hellfire that you don't have to be in hell just because you're doing bad. Pile up the bad. So that's, yeah, the that bad when God is fire about to you judge, over hellfire. He catapults you okay. over hellfire. Because you'll be so angry when he throws you like this. <laughs> but that changed. You, you will miss hellfire. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I'm sure, thank you for sharing. I'm sure we, I mean, there have been all sorts of views on, on heaven, on hell, what qualifies us, what disqualifies us, you know, and on and on and on. Okay, so we, we just laid some fundamentals. The, the first thing we need to know is that God is an eternal spirit. God is an eternal spirit. Eternal means no beginning, no end. From the origin standpoint, there is no origin. He is the beginning. He says, I am the beginning and I am the ending. In, in me, everything consists. God created time. And that time became the beginning of time. And in the process of time, God created Man. Man is a created spirit. Even though man has a beginning, because it was created in time, because man is a spirit, man does not have an end. Man's spirit continues forever. And ever. And God's plan is that he will continue with us, his children, forever and ever. He wanted to have a lot of children. Billions and billions. And he created man. And man, even though had a beginning, is a created spirit. And that spirit lives on. Cannot be killed, cannot die. Can feel pleasure, can feel pain. Satan and, and his demons 
are also created spirits, even though created long before man. But they were created by the creator. Even though they have a beginning, they will not have an end because they are spirits. Spirits don't expire. They don't die. They go on and on. So, spirits do not die. Praise the Lord. Good. So, where is heaven? What is heaven? Heaven is the dwelling place of God. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. Heaven is where God dwells. And God's original plan is that earth would be an extension of heaven. God created Adam in the, in the garden and his presence was there. It's, 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 he, he determined that earth would be an extension of, of his home where his children lives. So man was not originally created to live in heaven. Man was created to live where? On earth. And messed up the heaven path of, with disobedience. But God was determined to save man and to die for man. And that is the big difference because Satan and his demons also rebelled against God. But God did not redeem them. God did not redeem them. Man disobeyed God. God redeemed man. That's why Satan is bigly jealous. He's jealous of you and I. And God says he will use us to, sh- to show the principalities and the powers is manifold wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. So the scriptures, when we talk about heaven, the scriptures talks, tells us that, or talks of three heavens. The scriptures talks of three heavens. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul was saying how he was caught up in the third heaven, in the dwelling place of God, in the dwelling of of the most high God. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Only God knows. So we, from scripture, the third heaven is the dwelling place of God. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven that we can see physically to the clouds. Hosea 2.18 talks about that. The second heaven is the space of the planets, the galaxies, the stars, the one that is beyond our physical reach. And of course, the third heaven is (laughs) way beyond that. And the second heaven is the dwelling of, of demonic spirits and powers. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> are we still good? You know, by God's grace, we've, you know, by the time you are done, you can teach your village about heaven and hell in a way that everybody will understand. Amen.
Now, so that is heaven. Hell, on the other hand, is the future place of eternal punishment, present and future, actually. Of eternal punishment of Satan and his angels. And unfortunately, those people that are without Christ. People without Christ. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, cursed, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. The eternal fire, hell, was not prepared for man originally. Hell is not man's abode. Man's abode is earth, heaven and heaven on earth. That's man's abode. Heaven and heaven on earth. Where your father is, that's where you should be. But when Jesus came to usher us into the presence of God, when men turn their backs on God and says they will not accept his way, Jesus did not come to judge the world. John 3, 16 to 18. He says, God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That God did not come. Jesus did not come to judge the world. That this is judgment. That light has come. But man loves what? Darkness more than light. So, unfortunately, they have a part in that. Revelations 20. 14 describes it more vividly. It says, death and, and, and the grave or Hades or hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Now, so you have the first death. You have the second death. Put this um, on your left hand. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And they partook of the second death. So everyone, like um, Kelechi was saying, whose name is in the book of life, whose name is in the database, will not have a part of the second death. So even though they experienced the first death, if they die before Jesus comes. They will not experience the second death. In fact, <laughs> death, which is what happens to every man, mortal man, has a spirit behind it. And that spirit will be thrown into the lake of fire. You have killed people. Okay, your time is up. Hell, the grave, the word, the grave there is, is, is the word Hades. Hell, which is where people that experience the first death goes, is also wrapped up. Hades, the spirit behind it, is thrown into the lake of fire because the, the usefulness is done. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Are we good? Yes. Okay. So there are questions that people ask. We are going to reel through a couple of them. We've preemptively come up with these questions because we've been asked those questions by ourselves or, or we've heard people talk about them at different places. So we just go through all those questions. Hopefully, your question will have been answered. And if by the time we are done with the teaching, your question, you still have a question that is unanswered, then we'll, we'll take it. First question is this. What will happen to infants that die? Okay, Pastor, you are saying that the only way to heaven is Jesus. The only access is when we accept Jesus as, as our Lord and Savior. So what will happen to infants that die? The first thing we need to understand when we are tackling these difficult questions about heaven and hell is that God is just. God is just. God intention is not for is not, is not for anyone to perish but for everyone to be saved so god's disposition for starters is not boom go to hell that's not his heart god is love praise the name of the lord why the bible did not categorically say in black and white, every baby that goes that is born and dies as infant goes to heaven. There's enough proof in scriptures to show us that they return back to their maker. Because even though in sin were they born, as we see. Once they've not come of age, there's a coming of age that the scripture talks about. So if, if we look at 2 Samuel 12, 22 to 23, David replied, well, this is one, he had adultery with Bathsheba and he had killed Uriah and Bathsheba was with, with, with a child, you know, and the child was sick and David was fasting, you know, and praying and rolling on the floor. God have mercy on me, save this child, you know. He wouldn't eat. And once the child died, <laughs> and, and, and the guy got up, you know, and I said, okay. And began to worship God. You are good anyway. You are good all the same. Blessed be your holy name forever. Then David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me. You know, David understood that God is gracious. So even in the midst of it, it was still like, perhaps you'll be gracious to me. But God is also just. So God took the child. Perhaps you'll be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast <laughs> when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? He says, I will go to him one day. He cannot return to me. You know, David was a prophet and he said in the Psalms that you will not allow my soul to rot in Hades, in hell. Also prophesying about Christ. I was talking about himself. But it was about, mainly about Christ. David 
knew his relationship with God. David was like a New Testament believer. He knew his relationship with God. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to heaven. He knew it's, it's not about what he has done or what he has not done. And he knew that I've prayed, I've fasted. This boy did not come back. It's gone to you. But I'm coming. Do we get a bit? Good. So the boy went back to, if the boy, if David, if David as a prophet knew that the boy, obviously, infants that, go, that die go to hell, he, he knows he's not going to hell. He wouldn't say he was going to the boy. It would be another, another prayer. So there's a place in, in, in human development. There's a point called the point of accountability. And we see that in Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7, it says verse 15, it says, By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and wrong, and what is wrong, it will blah, 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 blah. It's in, because this was the context of what they were saying was different. But what the scripture is saying is that there comes a time in the life of a child when heaven holds him accountable. He knows what is right and what is wrong. So when people say, at what point should I talk to my children about Jesus? At what point should I lead my children to Christ? The answer is simple. At the point at which they know good or bad. They know how to steal meat from the pot of stew. They need to accept Jesus. <laughs> they know how to tell lies to get out of trouble. They need to accept Jesus. They know, so at, the, at that point, it becomes the point of accountability. You, some people say it's five years. Some people say it's, ah, it's not five. Our day is two years. Some people say it's six months. Are those six months old babies? I don't know. Perhaps not six months. But the point at which that child. So that's why I personally don't discourage children when I talk about giving their life to Jesus. Some children actually raise their hand. Their parents pull their hands down. Now what do you, what do you know? <laughs> the child already knows what he has done. You were not there. The boy, the child was is repenting. And you're like, no, don't put up your hand. You don't understand. But the pastor says, people that want to get born again. But say, hey, I want to get born again. We should allow them. Because you don't know what the Holy Spirit has convicted him of for how. Second question. How can it be heaven when your loved ones are suffering in hell? This was sent by a lady that says that she, she knows her, her son and her husband are, are burning in hell. So how can it be? How can she be in heaven? How can that be heaven for her? You know, how can God allow? If God loves her, he should just bring her husband and her, and her son to heaven. You see, the problem with this reasoning is it's just emotional, man-centric, and unbiblical. Like Kelechi said, if you really love your husband and your boy, you will labor in evangelism, in prayer, in... Do you understand? And God will always honor that. Even if it's at the last point, those kind of people get saved. When there's enough prayer that's gone up on their behalf. Next question. Why will God create people he knows will go to hell?
Why would God create people he knows to go to hell? You know, some people know that they're here. Hey, Pastor, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to answer that one. <laughs> the first thing, first place, you know, when we are tackling these difficult questions, like I said, the first thing to know is that God is what? God is just. God is kind. God is, is, is I won't say God is fair. But I would say God is just because what fairness? Fairness is very subjective. That's why I won't use that term. God is just. God is kind. God doesn't desire that anyone should die. So God's intention was it's not for everyone or anyone to die in the first place. And God has his own... It's like you build a house and you say that this is where I've put my door. Then someone insists on breaking your window to enter. How would you feel? You put burglary proof in the window and make sure no one can enter through the window. Or you reinforce it. You know. So, so the point is this. God is God and we should respect what he says is. We are the clay in his hands. He is the porter. In Romans 9 says to us, Romans 9 verse 21 says, when a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and power He's very patient. Everyone say very patient. He's very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for what? For glory. We were prepared in advance for glory. So that's why sometimes when you see things happening, man, in, in humanity to man, people killing themselves, raising down a whole settlement, and you're like, why is God not judging these people? As much as those people being killed, it hurts God that that would happen. God also wants the people that are the killers saved. So he was patient with the killers also. But by our own judgment, the killers should, should, should die. God says, well, I will still give them time until the time is up and if they still don't repent, then they die. Hallelujah. Romans 1, 19-22, and this is, I mean, very classic, you know, about there really is no excuse for not knowing God. It says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For since the world has, was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Says yet, 
They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became what? Utter fools. So you, you can't put that on God. Next question. How can there be only one way to heaven? What about the other religions and non-religious people? Well, I think we answered that partially also. You know, if God says that's the way, well, <laughs> he's wiser than us. And that's the way. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given unto man by which we can be saved. There is no other name under heaven. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name. You know, I was watching a video um, Pastor Richard sent to me about some church that I really love. I mean, we really love the church. We sing their songs here. <laughs> you know? And the pastor of the church was saying that, ah, how God, how more like polytheistic, you know, is the same God. It's not the same God. It's not the same God. I felt sad because that, that's the challenge with when people are not like grounded in the word of God and they are gifted and God is blessing them and promoting them. Over time, people begin to look up to them. But because of the deficiency of their knowledge, the, they make mistakes. They make statements that are not correct. They are not scripturally correct. And that's why we have to invest in apologetics and make sure we are grounded ourselves. John 14.6, and I'm not telling you what my idea is. I'm telling you what Jesus said himself. This is not my interpretation of scriptures. This is my quoting of scriptures. Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, everyone say no one. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jehovah is not Allah. Not the same. We've done, we've done the teaching on that. Clearly not the same. My dad, you know, used to pass a lot of his philosophies to me. So he would call me, we would sit down, and we would reason. I was a little boy, but I remember a lot of those things. And one of the things he said to me was, you know, and I loved my dad to bits, you know, was that, hey, Femi, heaven is like a market. It means there's... Uh, there's no one way to the market. You know, the market in those days, they don't have, it's not like a shop price, you know, shop price, you know. 
<laughs> that was, markets in those days don't have boundaries. I don't, because you sell from different directions and people can come from different villages and settlements and everything. And even till now, even Tejo Show Market, before they broke it down, you know how it was? That's real Olokonwoja. Osho D Market. Uh-huh. You know, you can enter from anywhere. You know, Osho D Osho D You are still good. And, you know, and... And he was telling me all that. I was, I mean, I was just talking everything. What did I know? I mean, a little boy. But as I grew, as I knew Christ, I found out that my daddy was wrong. The question is, is my daddy wiser than God? He's not. He's not at all. <clears throat> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, next question is, what about purgatory? You heard a brother. For those of us that don't know what purgatory is, purgatory, I mean, in, in, I'm not abusing anybody. I'm just stating historical facts. Purgatory was the mechanism the Catholic Church used in the first, in, in the first hundred years of, of its existence to get gold and wealth from people. So you have a wealthy man that obviously has done a lot of bad things, supplied war materials, has killed a lot of people, dies. They say to the family, is in purgatory. If you do sow enough seed, you think seed just started? No, it has been abused ever since. If you sow enough seed, the soul will be purged. Then, unlike, maybe develop the boy's quarters later. But the initial idea was be purged and after a while will now make heaven. So people were bringing, I mean, you have, a, you have your father that, I mean, you loved you guys, you have a lot of money. You can even share the estate into two. Take, maybe it's a $10 million estate, take $5 million to the church for his soul in purgatory. Or do something great and it is a scam. Unfortunately, by the church. There's no Purgatory in the Bible, check. Genesis to Revelation. Thank God for digital tools. Such purgatory. You see zero results. Such atoning for sins after death. Zero results. It doesn't exist. Is it still being practiced today? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. So, what about reincarnation, Pastor? What about reincarnation? Reincarnation is people that die, you know, come back again. I mean, Buddhism, there's a, there's a, there's a, they, 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 they use it in, in the, the karma that you come back again, then you can now suffer, then until you become perfect, then you enter into that state. What do they call the state again? Like of, of perfection. You know, so they see some people in the society that are poor downtrodden, they see them as they were bad people in the previous lives. So instead of helping the poor, and they say they are going through 
their um, karma. Karma simply means what you sow is what you reap, you know. Of course, Hebrews 9.27 tells us that it is appointed for man to die once. How many times? Once. After that, judgment. Okay. Then the non-existentialists <laughs> says, which is the next question, what about, the non, what about non-existence? They say that once someone dies, the person just stops being, stop existing. You know, that, a lot of people will consider that to be a very good idea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you see, unfortunately, it's a lie because if you understand, it's two fundamentals that we laid, that God is a spirit, eternal spirit. Man is a what? Is a spirit. Continues. Continues. There's enough proof in the scriptures to show that. Quickly, next one. Why should I go to hell if I am sincere? I'm, I'm sincere. Someone say, Pastor, I'm sincere. I don't wish anybody bad. I don't do bad to anybody. My heart is clean towards my neighbor. I mean, I need to give you a scripture for this, even though I'm zooming. Um, Romans 3.12 says that, I mean, uh, not a single one. No one does good. Not a single one. The best good we can do cannot stand God's <laughs> scrutiny. It can't. Should we do good? Yes. And we will continue to do good. But our good cannot be our certificate to heaven. It will fail to enter. Only the blood of Jesus. How can a loving God ever send any of his children to hell? I think we've answered that already. But I'll give you some scriptures to write down. Second Peter 3, 9. Please write it down. It's important. You know, I've left a lot of, we've left a lot of space in between this first segment and the second segment so that you can write Psalm 7, Psalm 7 verse 9 and John 1, 12. Then the next question is, where do people go when they die? Where do people go when they die? This is very important. And that's what it's going to dovetail into. We are going to change gear now. When a believer dies today, the believer goes to be with the Lord. Where is the Lord? He's in heaven. But I will tell you how it got to be like that. It wasn't like that from the beginning. Second Corinthians 5.8 is clear about that. You can read it when you get home. When non-Christians die, they are without the Lord. And where is that? Hell, if you will. But hell, Hades, hell, Sheol, as we're going to see, then we see the, the fire we saw in Revelations, even hell was thrown into that fire. That is the second death. So the words that are translated hell in the Bible, we have to understand these words. We have to know them. You know, I, I'm not one that will 
push Hebrew words and Greek words on people. I just go to the meaning mainly. I can just take the words, but I focus on the meaning. You know, but this one you need to know. So that you are clear. The first word is the word Tataros. And I'll be saying straight. Which is why I said their punishment is present continuous. They are in punishment and they will still be finally punished. The next word is Gehenna. You need to um, this Tataros Gehenna, they are Greek words. Gehenna just simply means the place of torment. In fact, it used to be the word was derived from a physical place in, in, in uh, close to Jerusalem where um, um, Eden kings used to burn their children in, in sacrifices to their small letter G gods, you know, and they watched their children die in torment, crying, and they burned them to death. You know, so Gehenna is, is the word now used to describe that eternal torment. And we see that in Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28 says, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned and threw them into hell. Well, is that different from Second Peter? Did they jumble the scriptures together? Praise the Lord. You see, it's good to read all the scriptures. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's just the previous second Peter. Um, this is the Matthew ten twenty eight scripture. So this that was not that's not Gehenna. This is Gehenna. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. It says, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body. Where? In hell, in Gehenna, in the place of fire and torture. Now, the third word is also very interesting. So we've talked about the first is what? Tataros, is, the second is what? Gehenna, good. The third word is... is he has a, a Hebrew word and he has a Greek, um, um, well, Greek interpretation of the Hebrew word. The, the, the Hebrew word is shul, S-H-O-E-S-H-E-O-L, shul, or shul, or shul. <laughs> and the, the Greek is Hades. It's Hades. It's, in fact, it's the most popularly used word for hell in the New Testament. Is Hades and Sheol is anytime you see hell in the Old Testament is Sheol. And we see that in Matthew sixteen eighteen. Matthew sixteen eighteen says, "And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against the church." So the primary force that comes against the church is what? The gates of Hades, the gates of hell. Why is that important? It's important because the contention the church is in is for souls of men. So souls of men 
are either going to be saved or go to Hades, to hell. So, but God is saying the church will win. Praise the name of the Lord. That's what we see in scriptures. So, it's the place of the dead. Now, interestingly, Sheol and Hades is used for both the righteous dead and the wicked dead. When the righteous dead dies, it goes to Hades, Sheol, or the grave, or the place of the dead. When the unrighteous dead dies, it goes to Hades, Sheol, or the place of the dead. In the righteous case, we see that um, in Psalm 16, verse 10, it says, for I will not leave for you, this is David speaking, the scripture I referred to earlier, will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow the only one to see corruption, to see to rot in grave. Psalm 9, verse 17, tells us, the wicked will go down to the grave. Same word, sure. So what is that? So what is the Bible saying? Simple. Hades, a show, is a place that has two compartments. There's a compartment called paradise, or Abraham's bosom, as it is called, and there's another compartment called Gehenna. So Hades has Gehenna, a compartment where the punishment and the fire happens. And has another compartment called Abraham's bosom or paradise. So I said they go to the went to paradise, you know. And a story that clearly depicts that is in Luke 16 from verse 19. It says, Now there was a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple and fine linen, faring sumptuously every day, and a certain beggar named named what? Lazarus was laid at the grave, full of sores, at his gate, sorry, full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Yea, even dogs came and licked Lazarus' sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and he was carried, now this is Jesus telling the story himself, and was carried away by the angel into paradise. Hades, the paradise bit, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, in the Gehenna part, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. <laughs> he cried out and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. You see, what disrespect. He still wanted to send him in the, in the place of death. <laughs> Amazing. Some people, they look down on you, no matter where God has put you. The Lazarus was in heaven, was in paradise. He, he said, send him. Let him go. And Anyway. <clears throat> That he may dip his hand in the finger and cool my tongue. <laughs> For I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things. And Lazarus 
in like manner evil things. But now, here, he is comforted, and thou art anguish. And besides all this, between us, there is a what? A great gulf fixed. Our compartment doesn't mix with your compartment. We are in the same Hades, but we are in paradise. Between us is a great gulf fixed. That they will pass from, that they will pass from hence to you may not be able to, and that none may cross over thence to us. And he said, okay, in that case, I pray thee therefore, Father Abraham, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He's not going to back down. I'll send him to Lazarus on an errand. <laughs> For I have five brethren, and he, that he may testify unto them. That's why I'm very careful about all these people that say, God has sent them from heaven to come and tell people that they've seen heaven. God can do that, but many times it's false. Lest they come into this place. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, which means they have the scriptures. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, 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 Father Abraham, but if one go to them from the dead, they will repent. And here's the bomb. He said to him, if they hear not Moses and the prophet, if they don't succumb to scriptures, neither will they be persuaded if one rise from the dead. How many people have repented after they've heard the I went to heaven story, I went to hell story, and for two weeks, the repentance lasted for two weeks. Because if they will not hear the scriptures, God is not relying on those testimonies. God is relying on the authority of his word to save people. Hallelujah. So yeah, we have a testimony. Oh, God has sent me. It's okay. We hear it. But it's most likely neither here nor there. And this is not a parable. Because if you check all the parables of Jesus, when Jesus was to pick his parable, the Bible would say, and he spoke a parable unto them, saying, right? This is not a parable. This is an historical fact. Another reason why it's not a parable is, check every parable of Jesus. No names are mentioned in the parable. A certain man went on a certain journey. There's no parable that has somebody's name. This one, Jesus remembered his name because Jesus' friend was also called Maybe Lazarus, maybe that was I remember. <laughs> but again, this is so important. So we see here that when Jesus was speaking to the um, was on the cross and was speaking to the thief on the right hand in Luke twenty three forty three, Jesus said to the thief on the right hand. He says, he said to him, truly I say, truly I say to you, today you will be with me where? In paradise, in Abraham's bosom. He descended, the Bible says, to hell. Jesus was not kept in Gehenna. He went there and defeated hell. But that was not where he went. 
for three days. He went and preached to both compartments. In Gehenna, at the time, there was a party. But Jesus said to the thief on the right hand, today you will be with me in paradise. When they died, obviously, he went with Jesus to paradise. But Jesus did not stay in paradise. On the third day, Jesus resurrected and went to heaven. He said to Mary, I am going to my father and to your father. I'm going to my God and to your God. So, what am I saying? The compartment of hell, Hades, sure, called paradise, Abraham's bosom, is empty right now. Jesus emptied it. The Bible says he led captivity captives. You can write Ephesians 4, 7 to 10. Write it down. And he gave gifts unto men. He led captivity captive. He led, he led the people that were held captive. The Davids, the Abrahams, the Elijahs, the Elishas, the Jeremiahs, the Nehemiahs that were in paradise. He led them and he became the firstborn from the dead. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Jesus said to the disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. Because in my father's house, there are many. Where is my father's house? Where is God's abode? Heaven. So, where is Jesus right now? Seated at the right hand of making intercession for you and I. So, Jesus went to paradise, emptied it, and took it up. So, when a believer dies today, where does he go? He goes to heaven to be with the Lord. So, heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. Not make unconsciousnesses. Not temporal purgatory. But eternal. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friend. God bless you.